Welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life podcast, and this is episode 94. Today, Peter and I are going to dip into the archives again, the blog archives. Mm -hmm. How many people remember in 2009, about 11 years ago, that there was another flu epidemic going around of the swine flu? And we wrote about that at that time, and today we're going to share some of that with you. We think you'll enjoy it very much. So, with that said, I'm putting on my glasses again. Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein, or Peter, as he likes to be called. Uh, Peter is a coach and mentor with 50 years of experience helping people in the field of trauma recovery. Our podcast provides practical information and skills for resilience and personal growth during challenging times. And above all, we want to inspire our listeners to find hope, courage, and strength to succeed and move forward in times of adversity. I like it. Shall we go with it? I think this sounds really good. Are we rolling there, Sid? <laughs> we're rolling. Oh, we're for real. We're for real, yes. Well, I think that's really good, and I'm going to take it to heart myself. But and anyway, I, I, uh, this, this episode is going to be a little different in a couple of ways. Number one, um, Jenny had mentioned the going back into our archives. We have so many papers we wrote. A book, papers were published, papers. We did a lot of work. We still do. Um, but at that point, we were really pushing, and it really was the inspiration during that time was the uh, Great Recession. The Great Recession. And uh, we had so many people. We were hurt. I was hurt uh, financially a great deal. But so were so many people that were coming to us. Um, our community was a disaster. It was a very rough time. Um, there are similarities today, except this one has got... The health issues, the very, really, we all know COVID-19 and what that's done. Here in California, though, we have COVID-19. We have incredible amount of fires, millions of acres burning. I think they now have found 33 people that have died in the fires. Right. It's just all around us. The skies are just, today is the clearest day, but most of the time the sky has been, look like a dark over overbearing cloud of fog and yeah, it was smoke. if not orange. So smoke. it was, no. It, it's been just one thing on top of the other. Uh, it's been rough. No question about it. These are not easy times. Um, and then the violence, of course, that we see people turning on each other and that just breaks my heart and it's the wrong thing to do. But um, let me talk, put, you, put a little bit of a, a perspective on today's episode. Um, Jenny, during that time, used to interview me, I think once every two weeks. And then we would yeah. transcribe the interviews and then either blog it or, uh, or uh, publish them or get them published right. professionally or in the newspapers or whatever to help folks and to give them encouragement and hope even during some... Those were very difficult times too. Heavy times, for sure. But that's what motivated us to do this. Anyway, we, we've been going through some time, you know, looking at some of the papers and realizing how relevant they are to what's happening today. And uh, I, I feel it more so than ever. Um, and some of the things I write about and, th and talk about are definitely relating to what we've learned in the last crisis. Um, so it's not like 
everything we see is strange to us. We've had other personal crises, of course, since then, and you know, we're in the midst of that on top of everything else, and they're very serious crises. So um, we're not talking about easy times for ourselves either. No. Not at all. Um, one of the nice things is, I'll say this, uh, I'm certainly a lot more humble today than I was the last time around. And through the adversities, the difficulties, the losses, and now what I'm going through with my wife and my mother, um, there's a humility, definitely. And I think I used to really rely so much on my professional credentials and my licensing, and it meant so much to me, and I didn't realize how much I used it um, and depended upon it. And certainly it gave me a certain amount of credibility professionally. Since then, of course, that's things have changed in my life and uh, I've matured, I'm glad to say. And one of the things I realized through what I've been going through in dealing with death and dying is that a lot of those kind of things get in the way. And uh, it concerned me then, but it really concerns me now uh, in the sense of I don't rely on my credentials and, um, and that uh, those kind of things anymore. To me, they're not that important. It doesn't mean the skills. <coughs> And the uh, training and the, um, the things that I've learned and experienced aren't worthy, they, worthwhile. They are. But I didn't want to create a barrier, a stigma between myself and my fellow man. And frankly, that, that's come to mean an awful lot to me. Um, and when you're dealing with people who are dying and loved ones and, and so deathly ill, and all that stuff just falls away. And what really is important is this very authentic relationship um, that we have with a person who we love who's dying and sick. It's, it's, it just penetrates to the soul as far as I'm concerned. So, and I've learned that through many clients that we've seen over the years, thousands. Um, even, I used to call them all patients. I don't do that anymore, call them clients. And um, I've wanted to take it out of the medical model design because that is not the most healthy design between a, a doctor and a, and a client. I, I just don't like it. Um, I understand it, and I know that I'm work, when I'm working in institutions and uh, they're talking, they, they relate to me as I am Dr. Bernstein. And if, that takes, if it takes that to help someone and to make an impact, to make sure that they get the kind of help they need, I'll use it. But I'll be honest with you, other than that, I don't. Um, Talking about today's episode, though, is very interesting because we, most of the time, this is a very heavy subject. People are going through so much now, and we're not talking about a, a shock trauma crisis anymore. We're talking about a chronic, just drawn-out kind of crisis that's just ongoing. And um, many lives have changed. I really, I used to think, we'll, th we'll get, th this will get over this and things will go back to the way they were. They will never, in my mind, and I can tell, go back to the way they were, and maybe they shouldn't have anyway. There were, this was a time that we really, a time that we've seen that it's time to reevaluate. For individuals to have the time to look at themselves in ways they never would have taken the time to do well, this, these crises offer us that opportunity. And I think that that's what's been happening, at least to some people. Uh, uh, and some of it, we've had some that come to us, probably the more seriously, um, they're disabled about what happened, and they were just paralyzed. Um, I've never been paralyzed like that, but when I see it, I realize that they're doing themselves tremendous harm, 
and they're doing people around them tremendous harm um, because they don't move forward. They just stay put. They don't want to move. If anything, they want to try to go back to the way things were and look for control and security, and it will never be there again, um, yeah. ever. And it's hard for a lot of folks to, to accept that, that things will never be the same again. So we see it, um, we understand the severity of it. Um, most of, a lot of our work has to do with how to take care of yourself, how to grow from it, how to gain resilience through the struggles, the pain, the suffering. That's been the theme of this podcast for its inception. Um, and we wanted to offer people encouragement and hope during some very dark times. Well, there's been, there's been a lot that's, that we see in all of that. Um, we also know there's a great deal of emotion that comes with these crises. And um, when that emotion hits, it, it's serious. The grief, the losses, the pain, um, it's, it's heart-wrenching and it's tough. And it goes with the territory. We don't, I don't see a lot of people knowing how to deal with it. Um, I wish they did because I know how to deal with it and I still find it just gut-wrenching. And, and it's very, very painful. No. Emotions add such a level of difficulty and complications to an already Absolutely. hard situation. Absolutely. And I agree with you. You know, of course, we see so many things the same that, that so many people are not aware of how their emotions are adding to their distress. No, and I think or a lot of people believe that their emotions are giving them some kind of intuitive understanding, accurate understanding about what's happening, and then it doesn't. No. Emotion rarely ever gives you that. If they're talking about their intuitive abilities that we're born with, and um, that's different because that helps us read situations. Emotions don't. Um, I know that a lot of people put the two of them together. We're talking about emotional pain and trauma and the effects of it, and it's, it distorts an awful lot. If people have had, we've talked about this many times before, traumas from the past, um, these times will trigger those and bring those up. So that even complicates the picture and the perspective even more and distorts even more. I just want to say this today, and this is why I feel it's so important. We're going to give you a different perspective, not just on um, the material, but kind of how it's presented. And sometimes it needs a little bit of an uplift and a little bit of a twist that's cute, and it helps us get through the day a little bit better, even though we're dealing with some pretty heavy subjects. Um, but I don't want to be insensitive. When people are really hurting and their pain is running high, Nothing we do is meant to be insensitive to you. Nothing we, we're saying is meant to hurt you or to um, to, make light to make light of or be dismissive. You're going through. That's right. Absolutely not. And I know because when I'm in those difficult spaces myself, it takes me time. And I've been dealing with that in my work, the effects of my work, and for many, many years. And when I'm in the midst of it, it's very, very painful. I know how to get through it. I understand it better. Um, than most people, um, I'm not a civilian. I'm in a, I live in a, and work in an extraordinary reality, but when I'm in the midst of it, I'm just, just like anybody else. So if somebody offered me a very glib or uh, a uh, dismissive perspective, and I've had it happen, I've seen people do it to each other, 
at a time when we're really hurting. That's terribly, terribly insensitive. Um, so we're not doing that. And, and we don't, never want to feed into that at all. But today we're going to do, we're going to have, a, we're going to extrapolate from one of our papers. It was from interviews. I want mm -hmm. to put this in perspective. Mm -hmm. Jenny was interviewing me. Um, this is from 2009. 2009. Yeah, during the crisis. It was actually October of 2009. Think, all right. Mm -hmm. And then we'd go over it after the words and she'd transcribe it and then we would write a paper. And, and usually it was my stuff, but Jenny would refine it and it came out. Okay. This particular paper <laughs> is interviews from me, but I got to tell you, it shouldn't be called from by Peter Bernstein. It should be uh, from Peter Bernstein, but really this is Jenny's thing and this is her design. And I don't have the sense of humor. You're going to hear it. This is not mine. This yeah, is just this, this is, is Jenny. This is my kind of my kind of variety of sense of humor. Yeah. It was fun to do to take. No. Oh, we have a guest. Isn't that nice? Yes, this is Nigel. Hi, okay, Nigel. Nigel, okay. Yes. Yes, this adds my sense of humor to it. And I'll tell you what, we will we will take a break and 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 pay attention to Nigel for a moment. And in the meantime, you've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to The Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Today, Peter and I are, again, as I said, dipping into the archives and without being insensitive to the incredible levels of difficulty that people are experiencing right now, we wanted to offer something just a little bit lighter that we wrote 11 years ago during the swine flu epidemic. And the Great Recession. And the Great Recession. So it, it's interesting, the carryovers, there's similarities here. Very much so. Right, but I was telling Jenny, um, there's no way that this is my sense of humor. My, my material, I am in this all over the place, but it should be, when you hear it, you'll know this is not Peter's design, this is Jenny's. So what we want to do is, and I really think the perspective is a good one and relevant. So I wanted Jenny to read it. And then we'll make comment. We'll comment on it because it's definitely got some very in-depth, important material. But I think the way she puts it across could really uh, touch some people in a good way. And we want you to feel hopeful and encouraging. That's what we've talked about in our last uh, uh, about the uh, what do we call it there? Christ of urgency. The the blessing of urgency. The blessing of urgency and many yeah. vacations. We're not. Those aren't light things. It's just a tweak, a twist on um, the perspective of these difficult times. And I think it really does help at times. At other times, it's absolutely not the way to go. So for those of you who are really hurting and in the midst of it, I know you can come through it. And we have a, a lot of heart for it, a lot. Um, but in the meantime, let's put this out. I want Jenny to read it. And if you can't grasp it today and it doesn't hit the the bullseye for where you are today perhaps it will in the future i hope it does because it's a, it's it's cute and very relevant so here's jenny she's going to read this paper to you it says uh the paper says by peter bernstein it is not <laughs> humor this by... is hers <laughs> and um this is this was collaborative i know but this is 
Yeah, you this, look at this is not me, this is her. This one was a little more collaborative. And we actually wrote this one right around the same time as the ones that you were just talking about, The Blessing of Urgency yeah. and Many Vacations. It was around the same yeah. time. So the title for this one was Another Epidemic, The Fear Flu. And fear is in quotation marks. And this was actually published the first week of October in 2009. The swine flu has arrived. News outlets are providing valuable information about this potentially fatal virus and how to minimize the risk of catching or spreading it. We hear reminders to wash your hands frequently, avoid touching your face, and sneeze into your arm or elbow instead of your palm, along with recommendations to boost your immune system with plenty of rest, a good diet, and exercise. Whether adults or children should stay home from work or school when flu-like symptoms arise is hotly debated. Sounds similar. And we, yes. Making wise choices regarding disease risks is important. Taking responsibility for our health and the health of those around us demonstrates maturity and compassion. No one wants to catch a debilitating, possibly fatal bug and miss precious days at work or days spent looking for work, as so many people are doing now. I'd like to mention another virus going around these days, one that you may not have realized is also catching. I believe we are facing many different crises on a global or collective scale. It's not only financial, it's personal. People are being confronted with problems and challenges in a more pervasive and widespread way than I've ever seen before. These times are difficult for everybody, whether they are struggling financially or not. Parents are having problems with rebellious adolescents. People in recovery are battling addictions they thought they'd conquered. And others have become obsessed with doing everything as perfectly as possible to reduce any negative risks. People are also experiencing physical health crises, whether from chronic or acute disease, pain, or disability. Ask almost anyone if they're struggling with something, and you'll be surprised what you hear. There is a tremendous spirit of fear spreading through our country now. Go to the grocery store, the gym, the doctor's office, the coffee place, and you can feel the anxiety in the air. People are scared, and their anxiety creates a fog of fear that almost anyone can feel and absorb. I experienced this recently when I had lunch at a restaurant where I've eaten for years. This is me. This is Peter. The owner is an old friend, and her business has gone down precipitously in the last few months. She can't afford the rent anymore. Most of the other tenants in the shopping center where she's located have gone out of business, so foot traffic is down, and she's fighting for survival. While I had been hoping over lunch for a brief midday respite from helping people in panic mode, I willingly listened as the owner shared her pain over her fear of losing the business. She shared the intense conflicts she's having with the landlord. You guessed it, my good friend has a bad case of the fear virus. How can you avoid the fear virus? Along the lines of the recommendations for the swine flu, here are a few of my suggestions for avoiding this nasty bug. Number one, wash your mind frequently. With my friend, the restaurant owner, I started by encouraging her to shift her mind out of the anxiety that she's feeling. 
I saw how fear was aggravating a chronic situation for her, a situation for which a solution won't happen right away. She's not just concerned, she's worrying. The difference between concern and worry is that with worry, we imagine and anticipate the worst. We get ahead of ourselves, anxious over next week or next month, becoming overwhelmed, discouraged, and despairing. These negative thoughts are completely useless and destructive and can make us emotionally and physically sick. When fear and anxiety start to set in, use mental discipline to wash them away. Number two, avoid contact with worry germs. It's hard not to pick up the spirit of fear from the people we meet, or even just sitting around the dinner table. Don't let someone else's anxieties take up residence in you. Instead, choose to feel concern. Concern, as opposed to worry, can be positive. With concern, you deal with what you've got on your plate today. You do the best you can with the difficulties that you're facing without getting too far ahead of yourself, and you give it your best shot. Mm -hmm. You live for today, open and receptive to new opportunities, doing what you can to survive and do well. None of us knows what tomorrow will bring. The idea that we might be able to come up with a perfect plan to create complete security is an illusion. Mm -hmm. Number three, be careful where you sneeze your negativity. In other words, think about what you're sharing. I encourage you to relate to other people by sharing your pain and struggles without being a fearmonger. Make it a priority to relate and share empathy and compassion with everyone around you. Don't spread doom and gloom. Don't be chicken little. Many of us have found that times of crisis are profound opportunities for transforming our lives. And save a little compassion for yourself, too. Again, as with the swine flu, get as much rest, good food, and exercise as you can. Take care of yourself and the people you love. While there's no way to stay immune to our fear epidemic, compassion and caring may just be the antidote you've been looking for. Mm-hmm. It's good. It is more serious. <laughs> when I listened to you read, I realized it was a yes, funny serious. It was balanced. There was the, the lighter kind of yeah. analogies, but there was plenty of very yeah. significant Well, was your design, but you know, and it is collaborative, because I hear a lot of stuff that you and I talked about. I mean, I can hear it. And, and the phrase that uh, just, just, again, it hits me. Uh, many of us have found that times of crisis are profound opportunities for transforming our lives. How many times in our podcast have we talked about that? And it's not new. This is where you have been for decades. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the things we're talking about in the paper <coughs> from 2009, can be morphed into something even more powerful today, but very similar. We're talking about, we were talking about physical health then too as well. I didn't remember that. Yeah. But today, of course, physical health with COVID-19 is massively emphasized and it's for, in many ways, for good reason. In other ways, it's, out of, it's way out of kilter. I think some of what you were referring to in this paper was how the stress of the time was creating 
other types of health crises like heart problems and, and, and other issues that, that were weighing on people physically. And we do see that happening now. And that's true too. Absolutely. These things that we talked about then are really happening now. And they were happening then and they're happening now, but even on a much more massive level, and that was pretty darn massive. Yeah. So I'm listening to that and I'm going, these are principles that we have known about for a long time. And I remember when we wrote many of these things, uh, at a time we'd submit it to a professional journal or whatever, and they said, well, if we do that, then you can't uh, take We'll it. own the copyright. Yeah. And I just, we took them back many times, even though they wanted to publish them, because we wanted to, to get to the public. We wanted to get to people where they needed to give them some encouragement and support and hope and some new kinds of wisdom on how to deal with the crises. So we wrote an awful lot. Some of it we did get published. We did. But yeah. a lot of it wound up in newspapers, wound up in uh, editorial columns. I remember that, a lot of it. Mm -hmm. But I remember times we'd go, we'd go to professional journals and stuff was good, and they wanted it. Mm -hmm. But they wanted complete control, and we weren't going to be allowed to get it into the public's hands, mm -hmm. just professionals. The material in our Survivor's Guide to Life booklet was one of those things that we were asked to give up the copyright for, and mm -hmm. we decided not to. No. We wanted to make sure that this is put, again, we didn't want to, this is really interesting because this is what we're talking about. We did not want to create a barrier between ourselves and the information and the experience that we can share with others um, for any reason. And if a professional journal or if there were st certain stringent guidelines that would cut it off from being, getting it into the hands of people that really need it, we weren't good with it then and we're really not good with it now. So we're not really interested in um, becoming famous. What we're more interested in is getting people the support they need. Um, anyway, but I think some of the concepts that we were talking about here are really important. Um, one of them that we talked about, and I know we're this, this part of the show is going to be, we need to take a break. Um, but we'll get back to it in a minute because I think what we're really, something that's always very important is when the people are in a crisis or a time of change, there tends to be a very high level of anxiety. We've talked about it in many episodes, and what yeah. that really is is a fear of death. And um, I could sure understand it. People don't know that's what it is, but it really is. It's kind of what's underlying everything. That they're not going to survive. Yeah. Um, so um, that's driving them. But one of the things about that, it drives them to worry and anticipate very negatively. Yeah. Boy, have we seen a lot of that and heard a lot of it. So um, we talk, in the paper here, we did talk about that, the difference between planning mm -hmm. and having legitimate concerns versus worry. And, and I think we ought to get back to let's that. Let's come back that. to that, because yeah. that's a good topic it in itself. It is a good topic. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. Uh, I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Uh, Peter and I uh, are uh, looking at a blog that we wrote uh, 11 years ago, Another Epidemic, the Fear Flu, and uh, in the past segment uh, read it and uh, had found so many things that applied then apply today. And uh, we were going to come back to talking about 
something that we really uh, went over in this paper and thought about, and that is the difference between worry and concern. Right, and I, I, I see this as pretty important, and we've seen a lot of, even our staff um, has a truck. Some of our staff really are worriers, and um, when they are, you can just hear things going sideways, and they really get caught up in the negativity and negative expectations, and uh, frankly, they're going down the wrong road. It's very easy when we're under such pressure and we don't feel like we have control. Um, and the situations do seem very negative. It's so easy to anticipate all the bad things that can happen. And everything, everything that comes up has a negative. I've seen people do this with this, uh, our work and they're negative about every darn, they expect the worst to happen. They just expect it. And if you listen to the news and you listen to the media, everything is so darn negative. Um, even really people who have a lot of experience, like Dr. Fauci and whatever, astounding what a worry ward he is and how his outlook is so negative for the future. Now, and I know, I know that this, this COVID-19 crisis will end. I know, it, and I know that um, eventually. But I also know that to feed people's worry and of anticipating all the negativities is not being a responsive, a responsible adult and taking precautions. It's, that's not what it is, mm -hmm. because that's, that's what an adult, mature adult does mm -hmm. um, to protect their own health and to be aware that they could cause health problems for others. And I just want to stop for a moment because you're contrasting worry. Uh, you just, the word you used a moment ago is that that's different from responsibility, taking that's, responsibility. That's right. And that's a good one that you, you brought up. It is. But I, I tell you, a lot of times I used to, I've listened, not lately, um, to a lot of the medical experts and um, I hear worry. I hear negativity. I hear an underlying despair and discouragement over the how overwhelmingly out of control the COVID-19 crisis has been. Nobody's denying that. But everything seems is, is <coughs> so negative, and people are scared already, mm -hmm. and it doesn't give them much hope. No. And it, that's just, it's it not accurate. It inflames their fears. It inflames. It's very inflaming. I think media is very inflaming. I think it the politics is inflaming. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the mistakes. It's a mistake. It has nothing to do with responsible concern. Um, one of the, what we've seen, and remember that article we talked about, Oz Mariendi, is the art of dying, it was an old Christian uh, principles from the Middle Ages, and it talked about how important it is to um, the longer drawn out deaths of loved ones or whatever, how much we learn and how much we come out with. And the article we read, I think it was either North, was the Wall Street Journal. Editorial. It was, yeah. It's a very good article. I really liked it. I still do. Um, but I do remember that he was talking about how anxious people are. <coughs> really anxious. Really scared. And um, he's a man that deals with... He's not a psychologist. He's he a was a theologian. Theologian, yeah. And a professor. A young man. A good Cabin, man. Cavan Rowe is his yeah. name. Was that Cavan Rowe? Cavan Rowe. I thought he was beautifully... A real good article. But beautifully done. And why? because he's dealing with caring for his dying wife, his young wife who's dying. And he's got so much heart and connection with what 
what's happening. Mm -hmm. And talking about certain things, it just it seems to cut through everything and bring it down to what's really and really important. And um, his article is about how Ars Mariende is so relevant to what's happening today in, yes. uh, in these crises and how people's thinking is being so, are, are being so distorted and, and the fear flu, as you put it, is, is just enormous. Um, it still is, uh, it definitely is. So we hear about it and you're saying, well, it is scary and if you have a relative or someone who's really sick, you're darn right, the emotion is terrifying. Mm -hmm. um, not knowing if your loved one's gonna live or die, it's absolutely heart-wrenching. So no one is denying any of that. But what we are talking about is, well, what is all this, is that really what people think this anxiety and fear is about? And I don't think, I think most of them think that's what it is. They're just really fearful, it's a big situation. It's not. It is the fear of death, mortal mortality. Mm -hmm. And really, all of us, I mean, if you really look at this and you go, well, we got, I want to feel like I'm in control and that I, there's going to be solutions to this and we're going to be able to really wrap it up and, and put it in, bring it into control and really to um, guarantee our future. It ain't going to happen that way and it doesn't happen that way. That's one of the illusions we live with and it's not just from the COVID-19 crisis. There's been many other things that have fed into that, but it's our need to feel that we're in control. It's our need to feel secure. Yeah. It's the thing that what we, the, the condition, one condition of life that we don't want to face is death and dying. And yet it's one of the core conditions that we're all going to face at some point. Mm -hmm. So what, what uh, Kevin, Kevin Rowe, Rowe spoke about was the way it applies to our, that particular old Christian philosophy, Ars Mariende, it applies is that people getting so worked up over what they think is fear of the new current situation, it's the fear of dying and the fear of facing death. Mm -hmm. And yet the truth of the matter is, all of us are gonna face it at some point, all of us. No one is going to escape alive. So it brings that to the forefront. But what you're seeing is the emotionality. Mm -hmm. You're not seeing clear perspective and wisdom and understanding at all. You're seeing how emotion can distort and really cause some trouble, um, and it does. We're seeing all the riots, and you know, the, he wrote that article before the riots came out. You knew if, if things weren't going to be reined in, and people were not going to reevaluate themselves and their lives, there was going to be trouble, and there is, because what people did is they took their pent-up frustrations and their anxieties and their fears, and instead of dealing with it themselves and dealing with themselves, they decided to take it out on other people. I am continually surprised at how few people make the connection between the intense emotions and stress of the pandemic and what we're seeing happening uh, on the streets. And we knew it was going to happen. If there wasn't going to be a change, we knew that the accumulation of, of uh, fear, fearfulness, and being isolated and uh, uh, living the way we were living, there was going to, it eventually it was going to explode. Mm -hmm. and it, the anger and rage was going to come and sure enough here it is and it's gotten it's not made anything any better it's made things much much worse so i don't see people taking responsibility for themselves i see them turning again in fact they're not honest with themselves which is an epidemic in itself but they're blaming others 
and they're causing so much terrible pain and um, destruction. And it's going on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And the politicians are, you know, I look at it and I cannot believe how they're politicizing things that are so destructive. Um, it's not okay. No. It just is not okay. So, so let's make sure we leave time to contrast that with what concern is. Right, rather than worry, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the, the, really, when people are worrying, what they really want to do is to want to try to get control. They want to try to control their future. They want to try to make things in a certain way manageable. And it's an illusion. None of us can do that. What we really have to do is have a lot more hope and faith and live one day at a time. See, when you have concerns, and you responsibly so, you deal with what's in front of you today and what's in your plate today. That's all we can do anyway. Um, and that takes plenty of energy, believe me. Yes. So um, It almost takes more energy maybe than just kind of acting out of your emotion. Maybe. I, I haven't thought about that, but it could. I think it's what, you know... It, I think that one is very realistic and practical and the other one is absolutely a fantasy of a very destructive fantasy. Um, we don't have that kind of control. Um, we're anticipating all the worst things that could happen and trying to do all these things to counter it and it can't be. It can't be. It's too yeah. enormous. But what we can do, and we've said this in many of our papers and our presentations on the podcast, we can take it one, st one day at a time and make the most of it and do the best we can today. Mm -hmm. Um, not easy. I think that certain things in this crisis are so much more pervasive than the last one. Um, so many people have lost their jobs, businesses are going under. So many things have happened on such a massive scale that you can understand why people are trying to anticipate what they can do to control. The, yes, you and, can respect their desire to find a way through this. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's different than worrying. Yeah, that is different. Uh, worry does not help anything. It makes things a lot worse. And the coping when these pro problems and challenges are coming at you is, gets harder and harder because it puts us in this very primitive state where uh, we're in hyperarousal, our nervous systems, we're, we're on survival mode. And um, you can't stay in that all the time. We're really not designed to do it. But when you're in an ongoing crisis, that you st you're on hyper-arousal 24-7, and that wears people down, it wears their health down. And um, worry feeds and fuels that kind of action. And what comes out of that ultimately is sickness, cardiovascular problems, stroke. We've seen so many of these things really, they do happen. Mm -hmm. So um, we want to prevent that, we want to bring people into an understanding of it's one thing to be concerned, we have a staff member, I, I love her, and when she says she concerns, she well, doesn't mean That's sort really. of a warning light goes up. What she means is she's scared and she's worried. Yeah. And usually I'll stop her and go, you don't really mean concern. No. You mean you're worried. And we can see it because she just goes off on these negatives. Yeah, and, and she they, admits it too. Yeah, she, she does. Admits. She's with it. Yeah. But you know what's interesting? Usually when she's, what she's worried about never comes to pass. It's far in the future, as you've been saying. Yeah, and as she moves into it, things begin to turn out all right. Yeah. But when she's there and she's concerned, quote-unquote, she's, she's got such negativity and depressing, discouraging despair 
And I look at it and go, you're not, you don't have the perspective right now and you're out of control. Mm -hmm. So we, we have seen this, uh, lots of people do it. Um, so we're not saying it's in, in, in human quality, no, but what human. we are saying is these crises bring out both, they bring out our humanity both good and bad. Both good and bad. And when the bad stuff comes, you got to rein it in and get some mental discipline as your dis design talks about, mm -hmm. to try to use some discipline to straighten your mind out before it gets carried away with these kind of thoughts and, and, uh, and emotions that run wild. Right. Anyway, uh, so, I think that's a good subject. Yeah, it that is. Yeah, it is. And uh, so you've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back with questions after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson, and we are in the last segment of our podcast where I get to ask Peter questions. And the first question I'm going to ask is, I'd like, because I think it's so important, I'd like to uh, ask you in, in maybe a little, just a little bit shorter format to, to say, what are what is worry and concern? Uh, what are each of those, and just so people can get a real good grasp of what worry is about and what concern is about. What's it about? Well, how, what, when people are worried what's happening, when they're expressing concern instead, how is that more positive okay. than negative worry? Okay, I think concern is legitimate. I mean, there's situations we've got to deal with, and we've got to face, and we've got to find some way not to bury our head in the sand and to face them and to deal with the realities as difficult and harsh as they may be, but not to get too far ahead of ourselves about it. Yes, they're negative. Yes, they're very difficult. But we don't have, at those points, a long-term perspective that something good and there is hope in the midst of all of this somehow. It's hard, at those, it's hard to remember that. Um, and yet, that's the truth, usually. Um, uh, so, there, yes, there are situations that, that, of course, they call for concern, planning, uh, um, ways to avoid certain issues that are coming up. It takes planning. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it, anxiety, uh, uh, worry comes, it's got a whole different flavor to it. It's got despair, discouragement, depression. Um, people are anticipating all the negative things. There is no hope. There is not even a, a, a smidgen of anything possibly positive or good or constructive coming out of it. And everything just goes down the negative road. It's like going down the uh, abyss of hopelessness and despair. And um, basically, it's based on anxiety. And as um, Kevin wrote, uh -huh. it's based on mortal fear. People are afraid. They're afraid of dealing with the condition of life that involves dying and death. Do I blame them? No. I have it too. I just know that part of me deals with it so often. Um, and it's kind of like it's an acceptance that that's a condition of life. Is it easy? No. I'm not ever trying to portray myself as so removed from any of you because I feel the same things you do. It's just that from my experience, I know that there's going to be an end to it and there's going to be purpose and something, something of value will come out of it eventually. So I don't let my emotions have the run of the house completely. 
As far as taking care of them and dealing with them, we've taught you how to do that. We'll talk about it again in further episodes. But oh, I think you have to deal with it. Um, we don't want our letter for our emotions. And boy, the way it's, you talk about worry, you're talking about pure emotion. I have a question about that. Let me move to that now. And one of the things that I read that was in the blog, uh, this was uh, when you were talking to your friend who owned the restaurant. And she was very worried. Mm-hmm. And you said you encouraged her to shift her mind out of the anxiety that she was feeling because you saw how fear, her fear, was aggravating a chronic situation for her for which there was not going to be a quick solution. Right. Now, that, I just want to say that, that you, in that statement, you're talking about the role of emotion and about time. Could you kind of explain your, what is going on there? I threw you off. You were all ready to talk, and now you don't know what to say. Well, no, I, I'm trying to. I want to make sure I understand what you're asking me. Hang in there, everybody. Yeah. No, just just that the the idea that she had emotions coming up mm-hmm. that were complicating her situation. They were complicating her thinking, and she was seeing everything very adver- with an adversity. She was starting. She was angry. She was looking to create conflicts out of it. Um, she was, there was a lot of things going on. Now, she was worried about losing her business. She did. Today, thousands and thousands of people are losing their businesses. It's, a, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Hardworking people are willing to give it all they got, and it wasn't their fault what happened, and now they're losing their business. People are losing jobs. It's all real. Heartbreaking and negative. Our emphasis has been, though, and I want to say this again, that yes, that is happening. And these negative things are coming out of it, and it's not over. Far, far from it that I could tell. But what I do see is new possibilities. To be honest with you, I realize over and over again, no matter how my emotions um, come up, deeper down I realize out of it there's new things, new possibilities, new growth, new, new understanding, new possibilities that will emerge that never would have come to my consciousness or awareness without the crisis and without this. So sometimes these doors close, and you go, now how, why would this happen? I'm working at it. Well, you know, I'm a spiritual man too, and I look at this and I go, because there's something better out there. And other doors are going to open that are more timely, more effective. Something really good is going to come out of it for your personal growth and new opportunity. Do I believe it? Oh, yes, I do. And I believe that perspective is a lifesaver. Um, and I think if people can rise above their emotion, which is not always easy, they're going to see it too. And if they have some time, well, they have time now, um, they can begin to deal with things. These are the kind of situations that bring up a lot about ourselves that normally we wouldn't want to look at or we wouldn't want to take the time to look at that need to be changed. This is the time that that can begin to happen. You can take this opportunity to begin to, to, to deal with some of the things that you've been avoiding for a long time that weren't even coming to your awareness and are now. This is a time that you can deal with it constructively. And out of that, some improvements can come, new directions in life, possibly things that you've always wanted to do that you never thought you could do. Um, absolutely, that can come out of this. The other thing that will come out of it is a deeper, if a more positive way, is a deeper caring and concern and compassion for your fellow man. I feel if we're going to get through all of this and any of this, 
It's going to take that attitude no matter what we're going through. In fact, if you're going through hard times and you feel that caring and compassion and connection with your, your, your brethren and your, your fellow man, well, I'll tell you what, that your giving and helping is even more precious and more valuable because you're not doing it because you're really sitting high. You're doing it because you're hurting too and you have a, a shared understanding and empathy for the other person. It is so healing and it takes us out of a mindset that we've been in for so long of, of, of uh, tangibles and materialism. This is different. This is understanding the pain of your fellow man and being willing to offer whatever you can to give them support and help. These are good things. And I think that if we're going to save our nation and save and come to a better place, I think that's one of the things that has to happen. Okay. The other one is you've got to take care of your, you've got to begin to appreciate your spiritual life. Um, it may be religious, it may not be, but I think it's very important during these times to reevaluate that. Yeah. Well, my last question really does connect in with something you were just talking about. And I'm going to ask you something that I know for you is very easy and natural but may not be for everybody listening. And one of the things that we wrote was to don't hesitate to share empathy and compassion with people around you. You can share the difficulty, the pain you're going through, but do it without being uh, spreading doom and gloom or being a fear monger, mm -hmm. is the words we used. I know for you that's very, you just, you, that's the way you live. For other people, they may go, I'm having such a hard time and I would like to talk to somebody, but I don't want to just lay all of everything on them and leave, you know, I don't want to spread doom and gloom, but I feel so terrible. How do I talk about what's going on with me? Well, that's one, and there's others that are just, they are spreading doom and gloom. Or they want to. And yeah. anger. Yeah. Because they're grieving. A lot of people are grieving, and part of this grieving is the anger, and I see it coming out. And they're sharing that, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's not it. That's not the good stuff. But as far as um, relate, you're talking about how to be more relational right. and, and positive. Right. There's a value to really connecting with your fellow man. And during these times, especially, the barriers can come down. There are people that are absolutely have had trauma in their past. They don't trust their fellow. They don't trust. Um, they look at their fellow man as a threat, and they see them as suspiciously. They've been living in more of a protective cocoon of sorts um, for a long time. I've seen a lot of people like this, and this draws them out. Now, a lot of them have, don't have, you're right, they don't have a lot of practice in relating, and they're kind of awkward and clumsy, and they're not very relatable. But you know what? If you put your energy out and you've got a heart for people, um, you can begin to connect in much more, uh, a much more supportive and loving and understanding way. Um, when, I, when we read that and I was reading it, there are people, boy, they're sharing all over the place. But you know what they're sharing? It's not just their pain. It's their negativity. It's their distrust. It's uh, their suspicions. It's their worry. Um, it's they're just dumping their emotion all over yeah. everybody. That is not yeah. empathy. No, that's no. No, and I do see people doing that. Well, we really see it now. Yeah. Because a lot of that emotion is turning into violence and to be aggression and blame. So we are seeing how this thing can go haywire. We're not mm -hmm. talking about that. We're talking about, number one, taking some time to, to get a reading on yourself. Um, and it's okay to let people know where you are a little bit. And you'll find you're not alone. 
that can be very reassuring sometimes when you're yes. not the, when you realize you're not the only one. Yeah. And one of the things that happens during these difficult times, I don't, I, I just think it's a very dark <clears throat> part of mankind, um, is that we go through it, and one of the things we feel is we're alone. That it's just I'm the only one that's going through this. Mm -hmm. I'm the only one who's suffering like we this. We feel isolation. And yeah. To tell you the truth, that is a terrible thing to have to go through. It is. It's also not what to do. No. No. Either it is going out and dumping all over everybody else, your emotions and your pain and everything and taking it on and everybody, or just puking it up. Or like, that's not empathy. That's dumping. Mm -hmm. And that's not what we're talking about either. Do I think it would be, it's nice to be able to relate mm -hmm. to your fellow human being and... Um, realize that there's something about that understanding that's fulfilling, um, that's healing. It really is. And even though we're all struggling together, one of the things you know is it's, there's some kind of hope in there that we're going to make it and we're going to come through it. And sometimes you might even hear a little good advice or a little good wisdom um, that you wouldn't have heard out of your own mind. And sometimes you can hear it from somebody else better. So I think all those things have value. Do I uh, relate to people? I do. I do. I love my fellow man. Do I like everybody? Well, you know, my history is bad people don't cross my path. They don't get away with it. I'm not a pushover, and I don't want anybody else to do it. The world can be a very dark and evil place, um, and I'm not talking about that. And I am not one of those people that just loves everybody and shares everything with everybody my pain and no, we're not talking about that. In fact, I'm very conscious of there are very dark, evil things out there and dark, evil people, and I don't tolerate them well at all. No, I want to be around good people. Now, if those if good people are hurting, yeah, and struggling, I'll, never, I'll be there. Let's let's make sure we end on that note. Okay. That, that, yeah. that that's where we that's what we look for. That's the that's the time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, I hope this helped you. Okay. And, uh, we're talking from experience, too. Um, so it's, it's the wisdom of experience and also heartfelt compassion for what you're going through. We have it, too. Yep. And yet we're able to go on and help others as well as take care of ourselves. So please keep that in mind. And don't give up. Hang in there. There is always hope no matter how dark and overwhelming things may seem, and they can seem that way. Don't buy it. Yep. There's going to be something good that will come out of this. Hang in there. Never give up. The Survivor's Guide to Life is made possible through a grant from Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 public charity that relies entirely on donations from people like you. We hope that we've brought great value to you today. And if so, please consider supporting Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment at sctraumatreatment.org. Our website is thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. We have a YouTube channel. We have Facebook. We have Instagram. We have SoundCloud. We've got all of the regular outlets. Please like, share, and pass along uh, to anyone uh, to listen or watch or both. If you have any questions or feedback, we would love to hear it. We are at 707-781-3335 or Jenny at BernsteinInstitute.com. Thank you for listening, and please join us again.